I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Just He's on the Service Master by Cornerstone phone line. It is Chris Harrington who joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to? Um, this wheel's on fire, rolling down the road. Just notify my next of kin. This wheel shall explode. Sometimes there's things more flamboyant than the wheels coming off. Um, courtesy of the band um, for the Grizzlies um, rolling back into town um, today from their road trip. All right. Let's. Uh, so last night they lose to the Lakers, and once again, uh, let's see, shooting fourth quarter. Uh, sort of woes. Well, what? Uh, obviously, there's more things that ail the Grizzlies now. The absence of Brandon Clark, the absence of Stephen Adams, the absence of John Morant, uh, sort of being the headliners. Um, but what? To what do you attribute? They are across the course of the season. They are uh, plus nine point five points in the third quarter, and minus nine point two points in the fourth quarter. What? Uh, what do you see as the issues? Well, I mean, I think I'm reluctant on the season numbers on fourth quarter. I think there's a lot of noise in there Mm -hmm. because um, there's a significant percentage of fourth quarter basketball that's not real basketball. Right, yep. um, In both positive and negative ways. And I think the Grizzlies have had a higher percentage of that than most teams. I, I know a couple weeks ago I was looking at this. I looked at the clutch stats. And the Grizzlies have played fewer clutch minutes than any team in the league by like a meaningful margin. Um, maybe that's changed since then. I mean, I think clearly there are issues there w- in terms of – I think their half-court offense is just is not good. And it hasn't really been good all season. And maybe you, you're forced into half-court more late and tight games. I think that is the sense people have. Whether that sense is actually true, I don't know. That's sort of an assumption, uh, you know, that, that people make right. about the truth that may or may not be the truth. Um, but I certainly think it could be. And so I, I think, you know, there's that. But, I mean, I'm more interested in, like, last night than right. the night before than sort of generalizing over the season. And there's different things in different games. I mean, last night, I, you know, I think, you know, the to me, the absence of John Morant was felt more in last night's loss than it was the, the previous one. Because I think the previous one was more of a defensive problem. And last night, I, not that the defense was great, but I, you, needed, you really needed a good Desmond Bain game, and you just didn't get a good Desmond Bain game. And so you just didn't have – like it's hard to win in the NBA without some, some firepower out of your backcourt. And usually John Morant supplies that, um, and Desmond Bain's capable, but he, he, you just didn't have it from the fourth quarter of that game. Or, yeah. or throughout the game. Really. No, he was 3 of 14. It, listen, if you're missing Ja and, and – uh, and then you get a three or fourteen game from from Bain. It's a that's a tough way to win, even when you're playing the reduced Lakers. Um, I, I mean, I guess I, I think pace obviously it does seem to slow. I mean, it does the, the pace slows down in the fourth quarter, and so I think they play at a lower pace in the fourth quarter, and so you sort of see it. But 
Um, all right, so they are where they are. They lose again. By the way, it's sort of interesting. Your your scouting report on Luke Kennard uh, holds true. He gets two shots off, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. this is like Luke Kennard's seventh season in the NBA. Right. And, and, and like, I know most Grizzlies fans aren't watching, like, you know, role players from other teams. I mean, that, that's that I do not expect them to. Like, right. You know, that's fine. But but the reality is, like, guys exist before they put on Grizzlies uniforms. And right. so, you know, I, I, to me, you base your evaluation of a player on what they've done and not on what you hope they will do because they, they now play for a different team. It is interesting, even in the context of what is obviously a dis- depressing stretch and uh, another uh, loss. When I see Jaron in the second quarter, I have hopes for, like, it's, he is he, he is, he is uh, playing magnificently in many respects. And, like, there, um, obviously Anthony Davis was out tending to his broken nose, but he was, like, doing whatever he wanted, getting to the rim, like – he looked as fluid and as explosive going to the rim as I have, as I have ever seen. And whatever happens this year, the fact that we that this team has that Jaron going forward, you know, presumably to, to, to pair with Ja and Dez, I don't know. Like I, I don't know. What did you make of, of Jaron last night? And 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 uh, uh, you know, it, the problem, of course, is in the third quarter he took one shot. But what did you make of Jaron last night? Yeah, I mean, I thought the first quarter was pretty rough. He yeah, sort of got manhandled in the first yes. quarter, but then he, like, steadied himself and, and really got going. I think that, to me, that's been a pattern with Jaron over the years of, like, back back when in, in worse seasons where he'd start over five and people are yelling at him for him to stop shooting. And, like, if he doesn't stop shooting, a lot of times he finds a groove and gets better over the course of a game. Um, I think I think that, I mean, it's encouraging for me to see him thrust into that role of right. getting – of needing to create more shots and take more shots and be able to be productive, even if it's, you know, you know, maybe one quarter he misses a lot and another quarter he doesn't get enough, but then like there's two other quarters that he's putting up numbers on the board and that's sort of the way it works. And so to see him more consistently get a lot of touches and a lot of shots and you, and, and produce for the team, I think is very encouraging. And to me, and you know, tomorrow is never guaranteed as we too well right. know at this point. <laughs> um, but to me, the tantalizing thing about Jaron is that is the sense I have watching him that there is still so much more he could do yeah. that he has not done. I think, I think you know, even if you'd asked me like a month ago, um, you know, Josh twenty three can Josh still get better? Yes. Des is twenty four. Can he still get better? Yes. Jaron's twenty three. I think he can get more. But he can get there. There's more right. room for him to grow. Which is that does not mean he will be end up being a better player than a John Morant. Right. I just think there is there is more space above his head before he hits his ceiling than there is for the other two players for various reasons. And to me, that's, that's exciting. Uh, over on Twitter, you made a comparison to the 2015-2016 Grizzlies. Uh, why is it relevant? Well, that, that's sort of, that, that's something I, off the cuff I, I talked about. I didn't cite the specific year because I could, off the top of my head, I could remember. But at the end of the pod with Drew this week, like at the very end, he says something like, "So are the wheels coming off?" And I related to him that particular Grizzlies team, which was doing great at midseason, and then everybody got hurt. Mike Conley got hurt, and Marcus All got hurt, and then you look up and like the team they carried, they built such a cushion that they made the playoffs. But the team they took in the playoffs was basically a lottery team, 
And like, you know, they're getting swept by the Spurs and Matt Barnes is playing 40 minutes a night <laughs> in the playoffs and Dave Yeager is crying, crying. after, after Dave's, the game. Dave's and last like, season, yeah. And then, then the, by the way, yeah, the lights went out. Game four, the lights went out, too. There was a power outage in downtown Memphis, and we all just sat around while waiting yeah. for the game to resume. Um, that was that was the that was the famous to me not so great twenty eight season where they played they played a then NBA record twenty eight different players over the course of the season. This is before they aired the two way right. contracts and all that. And at the end of the year, I actually went back and, and looked at the looked up this piece because I had it in my my Google account. Um, I didn't have to go find it on 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 the internet, but I, I did. I power ranked from twenty eight to one all the players on the roster that year. Uh, number twenty eight was Jordan Adams. <laughs> Who else was on? Who else did they bring in in that stretch? Since now I wasn't going to ask. So, yeah, who else came in in la- that stretch? The, yeah. the last player, the 28th player chronologically, was Bryce Cotton. That <laughs> um, was that was a, a Briante Weber had right. a cup of coffee. He, he had some moments. Xavier Munford was like Dancy Mountain before Dancy Mountain. <sighs> like I thought, I thought there was something going on there. The great Alex Stevenson set some franchise records, like for like offensive rebounding or whatever, because like he just threw him out there and he just played a lot of minutes. He was this big bustle guy, and you know George Barmar played on that team. It was crazy. So when they got and to so the, anyway, I, when they were swept yeah, by the ahead. Spurs, when they were swept by the Spurs, who among the regulars were still playing? Uh, Zach. Zach was number one that year on my on my countdown. He, he made it all the way through. Zach and Tony. Um, Zach and Tony with Matt Barnes and Vince Carter. That was basically your team. Oh, Vince Carter. Um, that was the year. So Conley was out for the year, and Gasol was out for the year, and Mario Chalmers. I think, you know, here's, 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 here's history repeating. Tore his, tore his Achilles, I think, and was out for the year. And it was the perfect um, time for him to tear his Achilles, too. Remember, Memphis had just warmed up to him. Like, we'd finally decided yeah, yeah, enough yeah. time had passed, and it's like everyone's warmed up to him, loves him, and then pop, tear, tears his Achilles. I was in Seaside, Florida when that happened. I remember walking around in Seaside, Florida, talking to John Hollinger about Mario um, Chalmers, uh, um, torn Achilles. So that's what the main thing I remember. All right, so that is anyway. A, anyway I, go ahead. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Well, that's a season that then went off the rails and never was, you know, recovered. They, 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 they that, that, that's how it ended. Right. It feels very. It's interesting. We we talked. We were doing wildly irresponsible predictions in the first segment, including identifying the game when Ja would return, which is wildly irresponsible because we have no idea when yeah. when yeah. when no idea what the NBA is going to do. And then, I, you know, and then and then honestly, you want him to if he's in this therapeutic process, you want him to take it seriously, which means you don't have an endpoint. So whatever else, but there's a very good chance that Ja could come back play some more games. Jeffrey actually predicted that it's interesting because you last week said, before any of this happened, you said there's a chance they could lose the two seed and regain it. There is still that very good chance that they could lose the two seed and regain it because the way the schedule softens and if Ja returns, right? I mean, you know. Go ahead. Technically, technically they lost it last night because they're tied, but the Kings have a tiebreaker as it's currently set up. It's complicated, but if the playoffs ended today, the Grizzlies would be the three seed. So yeah, you, we so could say I, that they're the three seed today. I read the I read the tiebreakers. So basically, what it's going to come down to is, do you win your division? The Grizzlies are more likely to win their division than the Kings. If both teams win the division, which they both are currently right now, then it becomes conference record, and the Grizzlies are like five games back in the conference record. I see. Yeah, so it's it's going to be. If they're tied for the second seed, it's going to be conference record because that will mean 
um, both teams have won their division. The only way, though, the, the one team has won the division, the other has it, it's going to matter is if they're tied for the four or the three because Phoenix has jumped up to the two. And so if they're tied for the two, Sacramento is going to be the two. If they're tied for the three because Phoenix has jumped up, then the Grizzlies would be the three. But people don't need to concern themselves with all that right now. So what uh... – when Ja asked, I mean, not Ja, <laughs> I confuse Ja and Drew all the time. When Drew asked you if the wheels are coming off, uh, what's, the, what, what, what's your answer to this question? Um, not yet. I mean, they're, they're getting wobbly, like some, 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 some lugs or bolts or whatever have come off. Um, that's certainly the case. It is, it is, I think you were talking about the, the idea of recoverable and not recoverable, and I, and I don't think we've reached the, the unrecoverable stage yet. Because we knew Mike Connolly was done for the year. We knew Mark Cole right. was done for the year. We knew Mario Chalmers was done for the year. Brandon Clark is the Mario Chalmers in this situation, both in terms of role and specific injury. But there's no, there's no Gasol and Connolly out for the year. There's Ja out for an indefinite period. And so instead of your two best players being done, your best player is, is, is unknown. And so, you know... It, and, but then there's a question of recover to do what, right? And what I said on the pod was, like, to, at this point, my, like, upper-end goal or my upper-end hope is winning a first-round playoff series. Like, I'm not even thinking beyond that. And, like, could you recover enough to accomplish that? And I don't think that ship has sailed yet. And is that – is the reason that you have uh, lowered your uh, – of what you're hoping for, is it the absence of Brandon Clark? Because that's the only – or is it just the fact that – Des isn't playing that well, all the tumult and emotional everything that has happened, and, you know, the way that is – it, is, it, is, it, is it Clark's it's, it's, absence it's or is it everything? It, yeah. It's a combination of everything. I think the Clark thing is meaningful because it limits your ability to pivot in the playoffs, right? It's not just, oh, you don't have Brandon Clark coming off the bench for 15 to 20 minutes a night. Well, there may be a series where you need to start Brandon Clark. You need to play, finish, you know, like you did with Minnesota, right? And it limits, you know, what if Steven Adams becomes a problem in a series? What if, you know, Jaron has his foul trouble? What if someone else turns an ankle? I, mean, I think there's a compound effect on your, you know, your, your ability to, like, navigate playoff series and, and reach into your toolkit when you don't have Brandon Clark. So I think that, that means more in the playoffs than it does right now. Um, but also, it's just everything. There's just the uncertainty. There's just, you know, Ja coming back. If, even if he does come back, he's going to have had a layoff. Who, where's his mental state at? Um, I, I still just don't think that the upper the upper reaches are there for Bain. I think you know when you when you're thinking about you're thinking about a second round playoff series. Well, at that point, you're probably playing Phoenix or you're playing Denver right. or you're playing you know. I, and so, to me, it just doesn't feel like a reasonable expectation or even a reasonable hope at this point to win a second I, I, round. My, my new version of what the 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 new most satisfying. Uh, ending to the season would be finishing fourth, getting the Warriors, and beating them in round one. Beating the Warriors in round one and playing a feisty yeah. series against, like, the Nuggets or whoever in round two. And, like, you know, you you lose a feisty competitive series, sort of like you lost a competitive series in round yeah. two last year. And you say, you know, we're going to regroup this summer and, and you know, go get them exactly. next year. I guess. I yeah, you know, if you, if you put that on the table, I'd take that right now, easily. Um... Powell had his number retired uh, last night by the Lakers. Um, obviously a fabulous player, fabulous career, and a good dude. Um, should his number be retired by the Grizzlies? 
Um, I, you know, if, if we're putting this to a vote, my vote is no, but I'm not like aggressive on that. No, I, I think, I think Powell for different reasons, obviously, I think Powell and Lorenzen Wright are the two pre grit and grind players. You can make an argument for retiring their Jersey. I would not personally like vote yes on those arguments, but I don't think it's an outlandish argument to make. What's the, now the, 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 what's the argument Pro Pow. Um, that he was the best player on the first iteration of of good Grizzlies basketball. He was, you know, made the playoffs three years in a row. He was the first player to do so. He was the first Grizzlies player to win a a, 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 a major NBA award, one rookie of the year. He was the first Grizzlies player to make an All Star game. Um, and ranks very highly on all and still on, on all the franchise record books. And so, you know, in terms of for a first, like the first great player or first all-star, first star level player, first major award winner, first of a lot of things. Um, I just think the lack of playoff success right. ultimately is just, it's just not enough. Haven't you, like his best years were among the best years that Grizzlies have ever had, right? Any like isn't e- e- yeah. easily, easily, individually. Yeah, no, there's a real case to be made that in terms of just individual, individual play, you can make the case he's the best player in franchise history. I mean, I mean, Ja, you know, hopefully back on track, hard charging toward that. But if you take Powell's best individual season and stack it up against the best individual seasons to this point of any other Grizzlies player, it's right there. And then, uh, and then the other thing that people are arguing about is the MVP. Uh, where are you on the MVP thing? Um, I think it would be it would be a lot better for everybody. The problem, the problem with Jokic winning a third MVP, if there's if there's even a problem with it, but if there right. is, the problem is him winning last season. Right. I you know I, I've never had a vote in any of this stuff. I do. I have had a vote in the Tim Bontemps in you know in straw poll at ESPN. So. Shout out to Bontemps. He gives me a ballot. And last season, in his final straw poll, I had Giannis first. Now, Giannis didn't even finish second. I think Embiid finished second. But I would have voted for Giannis last season. Um, I think the case, Jokic's case is stronger this season, even stronger this season than it was the past two seasons. He's been better individually. The Nuggets were first in the West. He's played more games than Giannis or Embiid. Like, his case is really, really strong. And the only problem with it is the, the discomfort, which I, I think is a rational discomfort. People feel about him winning three in a row when he's, you know, he's never been to an NBA Finals and, you know, he's not, you know, Jordan and LeBron and these guys never did that, etc. I think the case, the case to be made against him, not against him, but for someone else, I think there is a rational case that beyond just we don't want to give this dude a third, although I think that would be a, a, a sort of an underpinning. But it would be, if you look at Giannis and, and, and Embiid, it would be their conference is better. Winning the East means more than winning the West this season. Their conference is better. They are better on both ends of the floor. Like they all, their, their offensive numbers are not as good, but they're great. Right. And they're better defensive players, and they're, and they're in, a, in a tougher conference. And so – if Milwaukee or Philadelphia wins the East, I think there's a rational vote to be made for either of those guys, whichever team wins the East. And I would not discount that happening. I think Jokic is likely to win, but I don't think it's going to be – I think it's going to be closer than like this last straw poll and a lot of stuff suggests. I really do. But I see people say on, on Twitter, what about voter fatigue now? Well, no one's voted. 
I mean, how do we know there's not voter fatigue? Right. I, think, I think voter fatigue will be an issue. Yeah, I think it will be. It's also, though, then you do wonder the old split vote. Like, it, 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 if, if there is an anti-Yokic right. vote, yeah, uh, is it it's split not co- It's not them? coalescing, right? Right. Yeah. That's a problem, too, or whatever. It's a, it's a, it would be a challenge for that candidate or, or whatever. Anyway, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.